two questions have the very same answer to them. Do beliefs matter? And do you matter? The answer to both of those is yes. Beliefs matter, and so do you. And that's why Paul is writing 1 Timothy, because he's letting this uh, young minister know that beliefs matter because they impact the way that people will live their lives, and the way that people are touched by other people within the church. We were reminded of that this last week. I think most of you know that Michelle's dad has moved in with us, and we are in the process of selling his house, and we're in the final days of that. In fact, even this uh, weekend, we were over there closing out the final things before the estate sale and the closing of the house. Just a few blocks from where they live, maybe about a half mile, I guess you could say, is the First Baptist Church of Dickinson, in which Michelle and I were married there in 1986, so that's been 37 years ago. And on the front of that church, which was bigger than Westgate, when I first met Michelle, uh, it had three sections and they were all pretty full and it was a thriving, vibrant church. And on the front of that church, as you drive by today on Main Street in Dickinson, you will see a giant for sale sign. It came to a point in which there were people within the congregation that lost sight that Jesus Christ is to be our priority and personal agendas began to take charge. The congregation began to dwindle and divide and have conflict until now nobody even meets in the building. They had a belief and it mattered and it impacted people. Beliefs matter and people matter. And we're going to see that today in 1 Timothy chapter 5. Joseph read, if you would take, that out, take your Bible out or the Pew Bible, I want to draw your attention to that. And for a few minutes, talk about God's plan being a family affair. In 1 Timothy chapter 5, verses 1 through 2, Paul is writing knowing that relationships are what usually drive a church apart. So it usually impacts us. It's not oftentimes theology. and certainly does that. And we see mainline denominations just plummeting in the pit because of their theology. But truthfully, more times than not, conflict arises from relationships. And so as he writes, knowing that there's some conflict in the church of Ephesus, he says, Timothy, don't rebuke an older man harshly, but exhort him as if he were your father. Treat younger men as brothers, older women as mothers, younger women as sisters with absolute purity. We know from 1 Timothy chapter 3, verse 15, that Paul was writing to Timothy to say, you need to learn how to behave in the church because our behavior in the church has eternal implications. God wants us to communicate to the world what the family, his family, looks like. And why is that so important? Because we've seen in 1 Timothy chapter 2, verses 3 through 4, that his goal and objective is that everyone experience eternal life through Jesus Christ. So he says, I know there's going to be some challenges. There's going to be some, some rubbing against. There's going to be that, that porcupine moment when you get a little bit too close and you begin to hurt each other. And he says, when, you, when that happens, come with a scalpel and not a sword. Great words. Because we know that when you come with a sword, you're usually coming to inflict pain. But when you come with a scalpel, even though there is pain, your objective is healing. And that's his desire. God's created us, the church, to operate and function like a family so that we can relate to one another as brothers and sisters in Christ. 
Now, Paul admittedly has spent a lot of time writing about false doctrine and the need to stop it, correct it, and prevent it. But he's also talking about how this impacts relationships because relationships are so important. As he does so, he starts talking about father, mother, brother, and sister. How many of you remember the old days of church in which many people would call each other brother or sister? Anybody remember that? You know that's coming back? It's coming back among the younger generation. But I remember starting off as a pastor and we had some old timers that would call each other and I thought it was just so unusual. They would call each other brother and they would call them by the last name. And I thought, how long have you guys known each other? Oh, 20, 30 years? But it'd be Brother Walker, Brother Stevens. And they would call me Brother Raymond. And that carried over, even, I don't know why, in this church, because I always felt awkward. It felt like it was so old-fashioned. And I would say, just call me Raymond. Okay, Brother Raymond. And, <laughs> and you know, you, you don't have to call somebody a brother or a sister to refer to them or, or to treat them like such. I mean, I've got, I've got two sisters. I'm that deprived middle child right in between two sisters. I was the one that got overlooked. That's where all my issues are. And when I'm talking to my sisters, I don't say, sister, sister Anne, sister Catherine. I just talk to them. If someone asks, yeah, that's my sister. What Paul is saying is, the church is a family. And we are to treat one another as if we are family. That means sometimes we will get a little tense with one another. But it means if anybody from the outside comes against us, we're always going to fight together, right? We're going to stick together. We're going to love each other. And so as he's talking about this chapter, it's kind of a, an unusual chapter. It's got some different runs in it. And we're not going to talk about all of that today. There's just not enough time. But I want to refer you back to a term that maybe you heard years ago, ohana. Ohana means nobody gets left behind. So as we're talking about the family fair of the church, we want to be reminded that nobody in the church should ever get left behind. And may I start by saying, I know some of you have gotten left behind on certain experiences in your life. And that's all my fault. It always comes back to me. If somehow we drop the ball, miss an experience in your life, it's my fault, and I'm sorry. And my hope from this day forward, we will excel even better at making sure we never miss anybody, that nobody gets left behind or forgotten. First Timothy chapter 5, verses 3 through 7, it says, Give proper recognition to those widows who are really in need. But if a widow has children or grandchildren... These should first learn, first of all, to put their religion into practice by caring for their own family and so repaying their parents and grandparents, for this is pleasing to God. The widow who is really in need and left all alone puts her hope in God, continues night and day to pray and to ask God for help. But the widow who lives for pleasure is dead even while she lives. Give the people these instructions so that no one may be open to blame. We're only going to read one more verse. We're not going to look at all the balance of this. But I want us to see is something that we talked about this last Wednesday in our man-to-man -man study. And Zach Stiles did a wonderful job of presenting the material. And in there, it referenced church membership and how important that is. And the fact that even though Scripture doesn't have a specific to say, this is what church member is, this is what you're supposed to be doing as church members. There's, there is, it's taken from many parts of Scripture. But one of the evidences that we have of church membership is the list of widows. 
The fact that there is identification to say, these are the people that we will take care of because they're in the church, but we can't take care of everybody. And it's to say there was a membership within the church, and that's who Timothy is relating to at the church at Ephesus. It gives evidence that we need to keep up with one another. Widows are mentioned throughout the Bible. You find that so many different times. It's oftentimes in reference to orphans and those who are fatherless. And we're commanded as the people of God to make sure that those are taken care of. Now, we don't really understand that as much in our culture today. Because we think, well, there's Social Security, there's government, there's various agencies. There are different organizations that help out with that. There's orphanages. We live in a completely different culture than they did in this time. To be a widow was to be left possibly destitute. Your family may have the means to take care of you, but if you didn't have family, oftentimes widows would be subjected to either starving or going into prostitution. They didn't have a safety net. And here is Paul elevating the value of women. Paul is oftentimes accused of lowering the value of women. And when you look at the balance of Scripture, he is elevating women. He is saying, take care of these ladies. Their life is sacred. Put them on the list. Acts chapter 6, the very first recorded conflict in the church had to do that, that certain widows were being overlooked, and so there was the establishment of deacons, as we talked about a few weeks ago. In James 1, the half-brother of Jesus, remember he said that true religion involves caring for widows and orphans and keeping yourself from being defiled by the world. Care for these people that may not have anybody else to care for them. In Mark chapter 7, verses 8 through 13, Jesus rebuked the religious leaders because they were saying, we would like to take care of our parents, but we've designated that money for God's work, and so we need to do that, and we can't take care of our parents. But Jesus modeled in John chapter 19, on the cross, verses 26 through 27, he called out to John the apostle from the cross to say, take care of my mom. She's a widow. I've been caring for her. Now you take responsibility. It's all built and predicated on the fifth commandment. There is a season in church life in which it feels like there's a lot of people that are dealing with aging parents and loss of parents. And one of the beautiful things I've tried to remind people of is what a beautiful way to live out the fifth commandment. You know, we think of the fifth commandment kind of as kids. Honor your mother and father. But we get to honor them. It has been a privilege for Michelle and I to to do that in in the fact that we have now lost three parents. And as we think about that, we are living out this fifth commandment. And I hope that you will do the same, Exodus 20, 12. It is a beautiful honor to care for your parents. And he's saying care for the widows. Now, you might remember a long time ago, early part of the 2000s, about 2002, there was a Disney movie called Lilo and Stitch. And 10 years after that, we had an experience of getting to go to Hawaii that I'll tell you about in just a minute. But in that movie, they use the term ohana. And it means nobody gets left behind. It's it's a Hawaiian native terminology to say that nobody in the family gets left behind or forgotten. So 11 years ago, on our 26th anniversary for our 25th anniversary, we went to Hawaii. And it was a big family affair. A very generous, gracious, our next door neighbor, 
he was baptized in a church here. Uh, they just loved us, and so they said, we want to give you guys an opportunity to stay at their place over in Hawaii. They had one of those uh, timeshare type of things. We stayed at the Westin. It was incredible for free. And we got all of our airline tickets ready to go early so that we could get the very best prices possible. It's weird as a minister, you always feel like you have to explain that you did it really cheap so people don't <laughs> think that you know, you're embezzling or something like that. And there's a little baggage there because Michelle and I once went to Hawaii many years ago and one of the, the deacons pulled me aside and said, you know, I don't really think you should go to Hawaii because you know, you're a pastor and people in the church might think that that's not appropriate. Uh, little did he know that we were flying over there on my sister's airline tickets, nonetheless. So I'm just explaining all this because I got a little baggage, okay? And so we have it all set up and we're going and right toward the end, our daughter Megan decides that it might work with the man who's now our son-in-law, Ben. And we're so excited. And she says, do you think Ben could go with us? It's like, man, we got a carload full here. I mean, we got her parents, her sister, niece, our kids. And we said, I guess so. He can sleep on the floor. And he did. And got it set up on American Airlines. My sister flies for American that he could go on standby. And by God's grace, he made every one of the flights getting over there. So he was there the whole time we were there. We're all there together. And to know my wife, you have to know this word, ohana, because family is everything. And so throughout the week, as we're going about hiking and swimming and doing all these things and getting the ice cream, is ohana. Nobody gets left behind. No matter what we're doing, nobody gets left behind. Well, we go to the airport, and our son -in -law, future son-in-law is on standby, and we all have a ticket. And so we're waiting and waiting and waiting and waiting, and they called out all the standby tickets, and he didn't get called. And so we're all loading on the plane because we have our tickets. And he says, Ohana, nobody gets left behind. <laughs> Sorry, buddy, you're not the family yet. <laughs> so, so he had to spend the night on his own dime got these horrible flights the next day that, I mean, it took him forever to get home. And so we have this wonderful story that we love to tell about Ohana means nobody gets left behind unless you're in Hawaii on standby. <laughs> Friends, I want to I wanna say that that's the desire of my church, our church, nobody gets left behind. Nobody gets forgotten. And in verse 8, that's basically what he's saying is follow God's design. God's design is that nobody gets left behind. He says, anyone who does not provide for their relatives and especially for their own household has denied the faith and is worse than an unbeliever. This is kind of a confusing passage because Paul is writing to Timothy and it's to Christians at the church at Ephesus, but it's to those that are in the church at Ephesus. And as we're unpacking this, we understand that some at Ephesus really weren't believers. They thought they were, and they were a part of the church, but they weren't true believers. And he was saying that your beliefs matter because what you believe plays out in your actions. 
And if you don't take care of somebody in your household that has a need, that's worse than an unbeliever because even in pagan culture, they took care of the widows and the destitute in their family. Titus 1.16 is another of the pastoral letters that was written very close in proximity to the time of 1 Timothy. And he would say that many people are denying their faith by their actions. We can denounce our faith and call it deconstruction or whatever you want to call it and say, I'm no longer a Christian. We can do that with our words. We can also do that with our actions, in which our actions communicate what we really believe. And so I want you to hear my desire today. So we're going to end, end with something very practical. Uh, I want you to take these communication cards that are in front of you and at the end of the row, and I want you to pass those out so everybody has a communication card. Because we will still drop the ball. There will be times that people get overlooked, but at least for one week, I want everybody in the church to know that this is Ohana, that nobody gets left behind regardless of your status. There should be a stack of communication cards if you just pass them down and make sure that everybody has them. Does anybody not see a communication card in close proximity to you? Okay, everybody's got one? Good. What I'd like for you to do now is to put your name and your age and your cell phone number and a prayer request. And once you've filled out a communication card with your name, your age, your cell phone, and prayer request, I'd like for you to pass them in this direction, just to the end of the road, just all the way towards the crosses, just on your road, just pass them to the end. And we're gonna, we're gonna swap, and we're gonna try to keep everything local, just keep it in your section here. We're gonna try to keep everything local. And while you're thinking about that, and I know some of you, you don't trust me yet, so uh, we're not gonna abuse this information. Someone else is just gonna get this information, and, and my, my hope is, my prayer is, that even though we may not know one another, and even though we may feel uncomfortable calling, we will contact this person and let them know that we're praying for them, and maybe try to get to know them, because it might be somebody that you don't know. The, it's gonna be pretty local, so it should be somebody pretty close to where you're sitting. And I want you to know that the pews are filled with incredible stories. And if we don't take the time to pull some of those out, we will simply wave at each other and walk by and not be aware. And I'm just gonna talk about some stuff that is, it's, it's not maybe, it's not necessarily life-changing, but you know, in the midst of our congregation, we have people that have experienced miracles in their life. You know, praying with a, uh, uh, Stanley last week over the cross just talking about the miracle of what's happened with his cancer in his life. There have been people who have had miracles. Lives have been changed. Families have been restored. But let me just share some of these that are just kind of fun that get you thinking that there's stories out there. And we want to mine some of those stories as we talk and pray for one another. So you just hold on to those cards and pass them all the way to the end and try to stay focused. One of the stories out there is Scott McKinney 
opened Texas Oncology Center. Scott, we're so proud of you. You're on the front page of the Enterprise last week. I got a copy of the paper for you to pick up. In fact, I got several copies uh, because not too many people use the printed copy anymore. And so we've got that for you. Think about Ali Rios. Where's Ali? That picture that you drew was phenomenal. Why did you win second and not first? I disagree. My father-in-law is a great artist, and he said that is incredible detail. So congratulations. Another one of the stories, uh, second place out at the Rice Festival that should have been first. We have somebody in our church that's flown on the Concord 60,000 feet in the air to see the curvature of the earth. We have engineers that have U.S. patents, someone that's running the Boston Marathon. We have a lady in our church who has done more weddings than I have in 36 years of being a pastor. We have guys who've restored old cars, a senior adult who went skydiving, senior adult lady that went skydiving. We have at least four people in our church who are identical twins, and there may be more. We have kids in this church whose great-grandfather was the pastor of this church when I was in high school. People in our church who have been on mission trips to Russia, Africa, Haiti, Belize, India, Alaska, Mexico, China, and other countries. We have Little League stars in our midst. We have a man in our church who struck out Hall of Fame Yankee shortstop Derek Jeter in a professional baseball game. We have a man in our church who played for the Dallas Cowboys. You need to ask about that story. We have a pickleball champion. We have retired pastors, retired chaplains, retired missionaries. We have a lady who was asked out on a date by Elvis Presley. And a pastor's wife who dated a professional golfer. Just to name a few. There's so many stories out there. And for us to take the time to become better acquainted so that we can better minister to one another. Because we all want to be in right relationship with Christ. And some of you may be visiting with us for the first time, or maybe you're checking out Christianity, and I would be remiss if I didn't close by sharing the gospel with you. In a brief nutshell, the Bible tells us there's four things that we all need to know, everybody, that God loves us. Sometimes even in a church, we can feel as if we're not loved because in the midst of all of those stories, there are people who feel very lonely in our midst and feel as if nobody really sees them as we gather together week in and week out. Everybody needs to know that God loves them and created them to have a relationship with Christ. The second thing is our sin is a serious offense of God, against God. And it separates us from holy God. So there is no way for us to have a relationship with God and live in our sin. So we have a problem. But thankfully, that's why Jesus came, to make us right with God. We can be changed for all eternity by humbly repenting of our sins. That means to turn away from our sins and to fully surrender our life to Jesus Christ. But knowing those four things won't change your life. You must do one thing, and that's to receive Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior and fully surrender your life to him. And if you've never done that, I would like to lead us in a prayer, and you can pray to receive Christ. But friend, I need to tell you, 
That's just the beginning point. It is a start of a relationship. It is much like a wedding. You don't come to the altar and say, I do, and go your separate ways. It's a beginning point of fully surrendering and following after Christ the rest of your life. So if you think you would like to receive Christ, you can voice a prayer similar to this. And the rest of us as Christians, we're praying for someone right now. All of us in this room are thinking of someone we don't yet, who we know is not yet a Christian, and we're praying for them. So let's pray together. God, we thank you for the gift that we have of Jesus Christ. Lord, you are the only one who can make us right with God. I pray that if anyone in our midst today, in this room or online or listens later on on the website, if they're not yet a Christian, they would recognize the desperate need of receiving you. That they would pray a prayer similar to this, Lord Jesus, I recognize that I'm a sinner in desperate need of your forgiveness. Please forgive me of all my sins and become the Lord and Savior of my life. I surrender to you all that I am and all that I have, and I will follow hard after you the remaining days of my one and only life. Lord, we're reminded from this book, 1 Timothy, your desire is for everyone to experience eternal life through Jesus Christ. We know that a part of eternal life is not just waiting until we are transported from this life into your presence in heaven. The part of the Christian experience, this life, is to pause and look around and see those around us, to notice needs and step into the gap, to be an encouragement, to be a friend, to be a help. Lord, help us to love one another well, to love as a family should. I pray that our church would just continue to be enriched in relationship and fellowship. Lord, you know that we fly under the banner of saying where relationships matter most. Help us to truly do that day in and day out with everyone in our fellowship. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Love you all. Thanks for listening. And, and now it's time to transfer the cards before we sing this last song. So if you would just, from row to row, just pass them to the next row, all the way back, and then obviously you in the back are going to have to walk up to the front. But you should end up with a card of somebody that it sits close to you week in and week out. And so let's just take a minute to do that. I know it's a little bit complicated and it may not seem as clean as we would like. Just pass them to the row behind you and then pass them out down the row. And if you don't want to participate, I guess you can just keep your own card and call yourself. That's possible, but. And now, if you didn't get a card, would you stand up? Because I know we're not completely evenly distributed on the so just stand up if you didn't get a card so we can make sure that you get a card. It's the easiest way to be identified. And we want to make sure, because we've done this before and this happened, where some cards just got left, and so nobody picked them up. So once you have a card, you can sit down. Once you have a card, you can sit down.
Cameron, are, are you holding cards or passing them out? Okay, we're supposed to be passing them out. We, nobody should be, everybody should be holding one card when it's all over. Just pass them down the aisles. If anybody that's standing needs a card. Cameron, if you see somebody standing, if you would hand them a card. Come all the way down to the front, uh, Cameron. And once you get a card, you can go ahead and sit down. And once you get a card, you can go ahead and sit down. And if you are holding extra cards, would you find the people that are standing up? If you still have a card, would you look for people that are standing up? Cheryl, Pablo, would you all like a card? There we go. Do we still have extra cards? We have experienced a miracle. We have produced more cards than people we had in here. Okay, we have, anybody not have a card, would you stand up? If you do not have a card. These are World Series tickets, if anybody wants one, you just. Uh... Oh, up here on the stage, we have a couple. They fill out cards and they got left behind. Ohana. Thank you all for indulging me in this, and now, I really do pray that this next week we will all act on our beliefs that everybody matters, no matter how uncomfortable we might feel on making a call. You can always pray for voicemail, that's fine. But <laughs> contact these people and let them know that they matter. And you may stumble and, friends, I've, I've made tens of thousands and thousands of calls and seldom ever does it ever feel easy when I start. Just call them up and say, you know, I'm awkward. I don't understand this. I don't like that Raymond asked us to do this, but I wanted you to know that you matter to me and I'm praying for you this week. So let's do that. God, please allow this to be a time of refreshment for those who need the encouragement most. I pray that not a single card would be held back, that nobody would take a pass this week to believe that it doesn't matter, to know that the person on the other line, they're waiting to hear if someone is gonna contact them. Please help us have a 100% response. In your name we pray, amen. Y'all are such a wonderful church. Thank you for indulging me as your pastor. Let's stand together and let's sing, and if you would like to become a church member, Please meet us at the communication desk after the service. If you'd like somebody to pray with you, I'll be standing at the cross, and our deacons and their family will, and their wife will be standing at the end of each one of these aisles. They would love to pray with you. Let's respond as we sing and worship. How deep. 
ashamed I hear my mocking voice call out among the scoffers. It was my sin that held him there until it was accomplished. His dying breath has brought me bless you. See you back here at four o'clock, two o'clock if you're setting up, three o'clock to get your cart trunk in place.